This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 435. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Grey Goat, Matthew Marister. Hello, hello. What's going on, Mr. Riley T. Bowman? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling kind of fatigued a little bit. I spent the weekend uh, training uh, with Dave Spaulding. It was a great class, uh, but... Uh, you know, two full days out in the range. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't super crazy hot, where I would be feeling even worse. But you know, it is. It is what it is. Uh, it was a great time. Worked yeah. hard. I saw some videos. You, uh, Mr. Dave Spaulding, posted some videos of you. So that's cool. Well, I, I wasn't aware of it until you shared it with me. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, hey, look!" There well, I am. scrolling through. I'm scrolling through, and I'm like, ah, "That guy looks familiar." And I, <laughs> you know, I look close. I get my eyes. I got to hold it a little away, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was you. So hey, I rocked that one-handed uh, tap rack, right? Looked good. Looked On good. the move. If you ever lose your hand, you'll be okay. <laughs> well, folks, welcome to the podcast today. Uh, we got some great content planned for you all. And I'm looking forward to uh, talking it over with Matthew here. This episode, we're actually going to be breaking down this month's Shooter Ready Challenge video, uh, which I just recently filmed. And we'll talk about what that's all about. Um, but first, you should know that the episodes of today's episode, as well as of Shooter Ready Challenge, we have Laser X software. That is the LASR software that's been around for a number of years now but their laser x version i think is the best uh in that it, it gives you much uh much more in terms of options and ways to use it plus they have a bunch of great preloaded built-in challenges or drills that you can follow and that becomes the basis of the monthly shooter ready challenge videos uh so we'd hope that you'd join with us in shooter ready challenge and don't forget that the best way to do that is to take advantage of the Laser X software. Uh, you can buy a lifetime license or you can get started for just like nine bucks. Go learn more. Check it out at lasrapp.com. And then also, this today's episode is sponsored by Next Level Training, makers of the fine CERT pistol. Love the CERT pistol. I've been a, a user of it for longer than I can remember now. <laughs> So uh, check out the CERT pistols. Uh, they actually just also released the CERT stick, which uh, brings a carbine-oriented version to the lineup. Uh, I just, I still, honestly, though, I rely on my old CERT Model 110s. Yep. I don't even have the fancy versions. I just had the base model, <laughs> red and red laser, plastic, you know, body. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, it has a good weight to it. It works fine enough for me, and I, I. I've used them for years now. Very, they've been very reliable, and that's that's a big thing too. So, guys, check out Cert Pistols. Head on over to nextleveltraining.com to see the full lineup and learn more. And because we are talking about shooter ready, shooter ready challenge, the place you want to go is shooterreadychallenge.com. That's where you'll see this month's this latest video. It should be posted as of now, just today. And uh, this month, we are doing a drill called the 22422. 
which is is really, I mean, I, I think of it as a transition drill. It, it involves multiple targets or threats, if you will. Uh, we got three targets that we're using in that drill. And we've done other, other similar drills, but this one changes or switches it up a little bit because instead of just going two on the left target, two on the middle target, two on the right target, or maybe even doing left, middle, right, and then left, middle, right again. In this case, the drill actually goes, and this is where the name comes from, two, two, four, two, two, is you shoot the left target two times, the middle target two times, the right target two times, and then two times again, so really four times, and then you go back to the middle target with two shots and the left target for two shots. So you go left, two, middle, two, right, four, middle, two, left, two, and that's the two, two, four, two, two. A couple reasons why I like this drill uh, is because it's actually more difficult to do two, two, four, two, two than to just go two, 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 left to right and go two, 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 left to right again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. At least that is the case for me. Um, as I do that, sometimes, particularly when you start pushing the speed, it becomes easy to almost lose count or lose sight of where you are in the order of things. And that can kind of lead to some, um, you know, just little hiccups in, in, in your shooting as you're doing that. Uh, we see this sometimes that in fact, we, there's a drill I really like uh, that uh, Ernest Langdon is, I mm-hmm. think the creator of called the close speed drill. And it's very similar in that regard. And that in, in this case, it's actually one, one, and then two, and then back one, one. And then you go to headshots for for three headshots, but but it's similar, right? Because Matthew, you've seen people screw that up. Uh, <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> I messed it up myself. So so have I. There's yeah. just something about you, you, it's so easy to get in the mode of always shooting everything once or twice or whatever. But as soon as you mix that one target in there with a different count or a different you know way of doing things, it it just kind of messes with the brain a little bit. And so I like that aspect of it. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, w- what's important it, or like what it exposes is the importance of uh, focus uh, of me- the mental part of shooting, because that's what throws you off. You know, it just breaks your focus just enough where you're like, instead of running the gun, you're now thinking about numbers and am I on shooting the right number? And then you, you just lose that little edge of focus and it's just enough to make you, you know, throw a shot or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, like even if you watch the Shooter Ready Challenge video this month, uh, there's one of the runs where I kind of put three rounds on the middle target. Mm-hmm. On on one, you know, after I had, so I basically I went two, two, four, came back to the middle one, and I fired two, and kind of started firing a third. Like I actually hit it three times. Uh, but the third hit was, it was as I was transitioning out of that target because I kind of realized late, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm only shooting this one twice. But that by that point, I had already pulled the trigger a third time. And then I went to the last target and only shot it once because I had already shot. You know what I mean? Like, it's just right. Uh, right there on camera, very real. I didn't edit it out. Just, you know, it it, it messes with you. So um, the thing here, though, is this drill is... Uh, well, it's not realistic, right? And very few of these things are. They're just drills. Drills, sure. I think, are, are tools we use to build upon shooting skill and to provide a measure, uh, particularly where we have sort of a more of a standardized drill where we kind of we know um, 
what the industry sort of expects of us uh, for a certain performance level, then then drills are very helpful to kind of measure and see where we stack up. Uh, so so don't take this and go well, uh, you know, you would never have three threats, you know, evenly spaced uh, apart between them, and you would go two two four two two <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because it's just a drill. And so, but I'd like to actually ask you, Matthew, I mean, did, did you watch the the video? Sure. Yeah, I did. Awesome. So what, what is your take? Like, what do you see this drill uh, as like, what, what are the big thing, the big takeaways for you from uh, the two, two, four, two, two? Um, I think uh, I'll, I'll do one, one of them. I, there's a couple, but I'll, I'll, the one I think is the most obvious that we could start with. <laughs> You're a root beer. Um, the one we can start with most obvious is the transitions. Um, I think this is, you know, like, like you said, we're not talking about like, this is an actual scenario, right? It's we're working on the ability to transition between one target to another um, and do it in uh, quickly and the technique that's that's best used so we don't run into the situation where we're over over uh, shooting the target, moving the gun past, and then having to come back and those things. And, and so when you start working on transitions and you can make them quicker, more efficient and smoother, then if you do have to transition to a target in real life, you know, obviously um, it's not going to be three, three and three, but, um, or three targets aligned. But when you do have to transition, whether it's side laterally or from a target that's closer to a little bit further back, that's the same sort of transition, right? It's, it's a transition. So, um, I think that's one of the core elements of this, uh, drill that's really important. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I think you're spot on with that. Uh, Transitions are key now again, all right, so so here's here's what I would take from this. The goal here is to shorten up those transitions as much as possible. The shooting part of it is the easy part, frankly. Okay, you know, just putting, especially in dry fire mode, right, with a cert pistol or whatnot. Like, it's not hard to put that target on the target or put that gun on the target and go two times on the trigger. Right, the gun doesn't recoil; it's not moving and bouncing around. Uh, that's the easy part. And, and those splits, if you will, can be very fast in dry fire. And that's okay, by the way, uh, provided that what I would, what I would make sure that folks don't miss out on is seeing a sight picture every time they press a trigger. All right. Because if you just see one sight picture and you just smash the trigger twice and then you transition, you see one sight picture and you smash the trigger twice that's called a double tap and a double tap will get you in trouble. I mean, it could actually get you in trouble legally, I think. Right. Uh, but the, the, but really get you in trouble because quite often that first shot will hit second shot will miss. That's just the way it goes. Uh, unless you're super close. So, so we always need to get in, into the habit of see sight picture, press trigger, see sight picture, tr- press trigger. Every shot needs to be attached to a sight picture. Uh, but again, the shooting is the easy part here. It's those transitions that is a little bit trickier. And then, of course, we've already kind of touched on the the extra element of losing count and, and getting confused a little bit because that third target you're actually shooting 
four times, you know, right away. Um, as opposed to the other, every target is four shots. That's the thing. They all get the same number of shots. It's just that the way you go about that third target is, is different. Um, so the transitions, and I talk about this in the video, uh, the idea is to get those as short as possible. I don't want people to think about this in terms of, don't think in terms of split times and transition times so much like, like the, the, there's like this goal, this number that you need to get to necessarily. And don't, don't be too focused on splits and think that what I'm saying is your transition time needs to be as short as your splits. But that's sort of the idea a little bit. In other words, like when I think in terms of, okay, let me, let me back up, Matthew, when we have somebody shoot a drill that has multiple shots and we're like, Hey, uh, you know, shoot this target twice, shoot that target twice, shoot that target twice. Typically, what is the cadence of shots that you hear from that shooter? When, so let's just say we're going to do a, a, like an El Prez, for instance. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of give us what the, what the cadence of that would sound like? Yeah. So typically you'll see like when they're on one target, it'll be pop, pop, and then they'll transition. There'll be a, a, a pause and then pop, pop, and then a transition and a pause and then pop, pop. Yep. Um, so there, there's a definite, you could, if you were just listening, you could probably say, okay, they engaged three different targets or they had three transitions, whatever, you know, during that, even if you didn't see just by the, 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 you know, the, yep. the, uh, cadence. And, and you, we get that cadence because of a couple of reasons. One, either because they are double tapping each target and, and, and then two, because they are, their transitions are slow. All right. And so we want to avoid the double tapping. We want to have every shot attached to a sight picture. And, but when I think in my brain that I want to, like, I have filmed myself before and I go, oh, wow, like that kind of sound like bop, 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 bop. When I then reshoot that and tell myself, I want that to sound like this instead, bop, 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 it really helps me to drive those transitions. And that's what I'm trying to get at with this is that uh, your transitions will really shorten up when you try to make that transition in the same amount of time as there would typically be in your in between your shots on a single target. Now, why is this relevant, I think, to, you know, can we find some correlations to real life um, with, with something like this, with tr- particularly tr- practicing transitions? And I would say, yes, I think you can. Even when you only have one target or threat. Let me explain. When you learn how to transition very well, I think it also makes it, I think the skill is also enhanced to being able to tr- to track a target. Because that's when you have a moving target, which most shootings, that's what you have. When you have a moving target, every shot has a transition in between it, right? Mm-hmm. It may and be even, one target. And even if the target isn't moving, you're likely moving. And that's, you know, that one too. or the other is moving. So mm-hmm. in either event. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a even just a single threat that's on the move and you're on the move or whatever, 
Uh, the point is you have a, cause even if you have a stationary target, but you're moving, well, it appears the same as the, you know, so if you and your threat are moving, then you're just the, the in relation to you, the threat's just moving faster than it would be if you were standing still. And then of course we have the extra little bounce with your own steps and stuff. And so that's all going to be accounted for. But when we but just looking at purely from the perspective of moving target, what that is to get good hits on the target each time is every shot has to have a sight picture. And to maintain that sight picture, you have to keep the gun moving. And so what that is, is a transition every time. The target was here. I saw my sights. I was tracking him. Press trigger. Gun recoiled. I came back down. Target had moved some more. Second sight picture, second shot, right? And you're, 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 just, you're just moving and tracking and transitioning from shot to shot to shot to shot. So I, that's where I think learning, while someone might look at a drill like the 22422 or close speed drill or whatever and kind of say, well, ah, that doesn't really apply to real life. Well, not directly it doesn't, but the skill and the ability to be able to shoot and transition quickly over to this other location, see a sight picture and fire that next shot. That is not much different than just shooting a t- moving target. Uh, at least that's my feeling of it. All right. There's probably those that would disagree with me, but so that's, that's really what it comes down to is we want those transitions to be as short as possible. Uh, we want every shot to be attached to a sight picture. And if you work on and, and really nail down the two, two, four, two, two drill, you're going to be well on your way to making big gains in that area. Uh, skill wise. Yeah, what I what I think would, is interesting about the drill and something like this is, and, and when we we break out of the idea that it's a um, it's a scenario, right? When we look at it as a skill, you can because the tricky part is is when obviously if I'm further away, my getting those sight pictures is going to take slightly longer because I need to be more accurate. Like I have less less uh wiggle room right so i think the tricky part is is you, you run this at different you you can run it at different distances and kind of get the idea of uh, how long does it take me to actually get a second sight picture when i'm two yards from the target if i'm you know using a flashlight picture what whatever you, you know term you want to use versus you know i'm 10 yards away and and how long because obviously you know we run those um, changing gear drills where, you know, it, it really gets you to, to focus on, I can't always shoot the same speed. Um, mm-hmm. and it's always driven by what am I seeing with my sights? Yep. And so this is a really good drill and saying, Hey, I, I, you're going a little too fast, right? Like you can crank off rounds at three yards and, and, and double tap and, and, and fly through it. But try that at seven yards and you're probably not going to have the same outcome. So I think yep. it's, it, it's a good drill that you can run at different, different distances and get different results in different site pictures and run it. It's, it's, it's almost completely different. Yep. Yeah. That's a great point too. If you want to also kind of mix things up, if you have the ability to set up even with this laser X software and, and, and have three targets, but placed at different distances, uh, typically, I put my paper up on the wall or whatever. Uh, one thing you could do, actually, though, to make it real simple, is you could actually, uh, you could actually, well, the drill in the actual software for the two two four two two says just to use eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper. So you could actually 
you could here, here'd be one thing you could do. You could actually put an eight and a half by eleven for one target, then cut it, then cut an eight and a half by eleven in half. You know, turn it hor- or vertically at that point. Put it for your second target. It's going to be about half the size of the first target. Then cut that other eight and a half by eleven, or the the other half that you'd cut off the middle target, and cut that in half again, and stick that as your third target. And you'll have three progressively smaller targets. And that'll be another way that it'll really kind of show you um, how you need to meter your speed according to your sights. That is the key. Uh, rather than learning a, well, when the target's this big, I shoot this fast. When the target's that big, I shoot this fast. Um, rather than learning a cadence, uh, I just try to focus on what I see in my sights. And because with practice, you learn, well, I can, you know, if, if I need to see this, I need, you know, for a small target at a, at a, or at a, a target at a great distance, you got to see a really refined sight picture. If you're using iron sights in particular, you need to see that front sight pretty hard in focus. And you need to confirm that it's really well centered in there and that it's placed on top of that small target that's really far away. On the up close target, I, I just probably need to see my front sight somewhere near my rear sight notch. Right. And, and, and so with, with some practice and experience, that's what you're going to learn. You're going to go, you know, and that's, what's going to dictate on up close. I just need to see front sight somewhere in there. Bang, bang. Right. You go to that middle target. It's a little bit smaller. Bang, bang. You go to that far, really small target. Bang, 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 bang. Back to the middle one. Bang, bang. Back to the close one. Bang, bang. Right. And that should all be driven or dictated by the sights by what you see in the sight picture you need to see in order to make the hits. Um, I actually had a quite a f- interesting conversation with Dave Spaulding. I actually drove him to the airport uh, uh, Sunday evening and uh, we were just talking about things, you know, and uh, it, it, I'm not going to spill all the beans, but there's some stuff that I'm, that I'm working on and I'm hoping to get refined and be able to start talking a little bit more openly about, uh, but, but it, it definitely ties into this, this idea of sites dictating your shots, um, and how we might, how one might go about learning that. But anyway, all right. So we digressed a little bit, but it's all good stuff. I hope, um, transitions, multiple targets, multiple threats lately, Matthew, there's been more and more of these incidents involving these riots and protests and mobs of people and they block streets, they surround vehicles, they've tried to take people out of vehicles. And there's been more just in the last week, there's been like three of these shootings, mm-hmm. right? Where either the, the occupant of a vehicle uh, has shot um, into the, into the mob. Okay. Or at a person that's trying to pull them out. Or we've had cases, too, where someone in the mob shooting into the vehicle. Uh, and so I, I think that's kind of the more the most realistic or more the most real example we have right now where actually potentially having multiple threats could actually be a thing. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your take? Yeah, I think like as I'm as I watch some of the videos or. Um, hear about the stories and because not all of them have really good video and it's it, it's hard right because 
sometimes a report comes out and it says, Hey, this person shot and then this person shot, and then you get a video and it might support that, but it looks like maybe this person shot first and, and you really don't know. Right. But as far as the context of, um, transitions in, in multiple attackers, I think one of the, the standout things, especially about this is when we think about um, multiple attackers, at least traditionally, we think about, all right, there's an attacker and they're in a group and they're basically all in the same kind of general area, or maybe there's a transition in it, but the, but they're mostly over there. Um, but what I see is, is the, dy- or the, the scary thing about the mob or the group, uh, you know, surrounding a vehicle is it really, truly, and we talk about trans, uh, 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 scanning, right? Like scanning the area and looking for additional threats even behind you and things like that. But it really is 360 degrees and you don't necessarily know who the attacker is and because there's so many people. And, um, you know, you might see somebody up close uh, pointing a firearm at you or something like that, but that might not be the person who's shooting. Maybe there's another person, six people behind that's just, you know, lobbing rounds towards your general direction and you don't know. So it's, it really kind of made me rethink about how, when I'm trying to get somebody to learn, um, and, and, and kind of, for example, we had a, I, I did a little session today and we shot probably, I want to say over a period of, a, a, an hour and a half, probably, uh, 80 rounds, which isn't a ton of rounds. Um, it, it, but what he walked away with and he said it to me and it really, it was good because he was like, I've never thought this much about how to shoot, um, and that was really important to me because I thought that's exactly what I was trying to do is to get you to think because I know you can hit these shots. I know you can make these shots, but what I don't know is how you're going to evaluate a scenario and, 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 and transition between targets or decide to shoot this target. And why did you shoot it this quickly? Why did you target the body instead of the head and, and, and this and that? So when I look at the scenarios that you're talking about, like with groups surrounding a vehicle, it's kind of changed my idea of how can we get people to think about this truly as a 360 degree environment rather than I shoot and they're mostly down there. And then I kind of look over here and I look over there. Um, but really this is, this is an example of the perfect example of having to know exactly what's going around uh, all around you. Yeah. And the best time to take in that intelligence is beforehand, mm-hmm. right? To know what your environment is before before you're in that situation, that altercation, at least to have a general sense, right? So at least you know, well, there are people over here or over there or behind me. Uh, you may not know that, and they may not be threats either, but at least being aware Right. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, we, we have to be careful that we don't get in the habit of see bad guy fire two times and then instantly start turning our head and looking for other threats because your bad guy may st- very likely still be a threat. Um, you know, so so priority number one is taking care of that immediate threat right then and there. And only after we can ask ourselves the question, is he no longer a threat? Is he down? Then 
do we start being concerned about the bigger picture uh, as far as, you know, to our left, to our right, behind us, et cetera. Yeah, good good thoughts there. Uh, Elkie here, you know, just commenting from Travis Haley in the comments saying, you know, to see the world. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, and that's what I'm talking about here. Like, in, in, again, to do that, you want to be doing that before, you know, before you're ever drawing the gun and firing shots. Um, not, not being completely blind. And, and, and perhaps that's why you end up in a situation in the first place is you were blind to that initial threat and they, they ambushed you. Well, that's a really bad place to be. And it's a really bad place to then go, Oh wait, is there something else? So, um, you know, situational awareness goes a long ways. And it's honestly, it's, it's bigger than just having head on a swivel. You know, like, uh, there, there's, there's more to it than that, but anyways. All right. So, you know, let's, let's talk again about, all right. So we, again, we're seeing some of these incidents where people are drawing guns and defending themselves in some of these riots and protests and whatnot, uh, without, you know, getting into in too many specifics, but just recently, you know, there's that one in, was it Arizona? That, uh, yeah, it was Arizona, right? I think so. Uh, with the, the do with the AK. Yeah. Is that what you're, yeah. I think that was Arizona. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one, right? Cause you have a, a vehicle driver who's armed and is approached with a man with a gun outside the vehicle who is apparently a part of this protest. And so, and, and the, and the dude that fired the shots from within the vehicle says that the man approached him with the AK pointed at him. Well, by golly, that's a, that's a threat in my book. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's your threat, right? That, that, that's your immediate threat that has to be dealt with, but there may be others. Right. And mm-hmm. what if that guy goes down and somebody else picks up an AK? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we're seeing more and more of these protesters that are armed. We just had the one situation here in Denver, actually Aurora, Colorado, uh, over the weekend. I think it was Saturday night and they blocked, uh, interstate. Mm-hmm. They blocked part of the interstate. A Jeep gets caught in that. They, they said they were fearful. Uh, they were trying to, uh, escape and evade that situation. And one of the protesters pulled out a gun and fired four shots and miraculously didn't hit the occupants of the vehicle. I think they may have hit the vehicle, but they also hit two other protesters. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a multifaceted lesson right there. The point is, we're, so that, that's, that's, that's where I was going. You know, that's the road I was going down, Matthew, when I started talking about the idea of actually having multiple targets, multiple threats, and you're caught in one of these situations. Well, right? in, in- and I think it's important, you know, just because in this kind of sparked my the answer, Don, you, you ask a question. If one shots out of the mob, is the whole group just as guilty as the one that shot? Um, I, I won't address it legally because obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of nuance to that. But I'll, I'll say tactically and tying it into multiple targets is uh, think about one shooter in a in a mob right or a group um and you may not know 
where that shot actually came from. And so you may perceive that these people, they may be armed with bats or, 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 you know, uh, you know, blunt instruments, maybe knives, whatever it might be. So we're, we're, I think when we think about, you know, multiple targets, we think of, okay, there's my shooter and now this guy's shooting or something, but it's not just people that you're engaging. It's how this person who shot, I may not know where it's coming from, but now I have other people that are advancing on me with clubs or, or whatever it might be. And so how do I ultimately, do I just start smoking everybody in, in, in the general area? And it's probably not, it, it's probably not going to be your choice, right? Because I, I, and I don't, I don't know how many rounds you typically carry, but th there's probably more people than you could potentially carry rounds on you. Right. So if your idea is just to smoke everybody in the, in the whole area, eventually you're going to run out of ammunition and then what? So I think the idea is being able to identify the threat, identify, is this threat worth shooting, right? Can I shoot it without even know that there's other mob people in the mob, it doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to start shooting them. Right. So, um, I think this puts an extra layer of complexity into, do we shoot? How quickly are we shooting? Are we transitioning? Do we point guns at, you know, everybody in the area? And, and so it's, it's just, um, it's something that I'm glad you kind of brought up Riley, because I think it, it we don't typically think about, um, uh, self-defense in a mob versus, you know, when not everybody wants to kill us, but we, they, they p could potentially uh, be a deadly threat. Right. Yeah. Well, let me address a couple things here too. Uh, and I agree with you, Matthew, with what you're saying. Um, but yeah, to just start sort of blindly firing into a crowd, uh, I think is a, is a really bad idea. Uh, so to kind of address Don's question here, you know, if, if one shoots out of the mob is the whole group just as guilty. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Or at least I, I, I think that's a really, that's a, that's a bad, that's a bad place to be in today's world. And in the course in the political climate that we're in as well, that, uh, you're going to look like a really bad person if you just blazed 10 people down. Right. Because you shot into this crowd. Um, now, the thing here is that context is key. Like it always is in, in so many situations. Context is so important, right? So let's just kind of talk through a couple of potential scenarios. You're driving along. All of a sudden, you realize, and, and before you can back out of it, you're on a street that is shut down and closed off to and by all of these, this, this horde of people, all of a sudden your vehicle surrounded and maybe they're yelling at you and they're chanting, you know, whatever, whatever their latest slogan is. And, uh, and you know, that's going to be an uncomfortable place to be. Right. But maybe they're not kicking your vehicle or banging on it or breaking windows out yet. Maybe they're just blocking the street, making themselves heard. So you can't go, but, they're not actually physically doing anything, not even really harming your vehicle, right? Well, I would say that's a situation that it's probably not quite time to uh, to take extreme measures. If we change it to where some of them 
start really bashing on your vehicle to the point that it starts becoming apparent that if they can gain access to your vehicle, they may try to remove you from that vehicle. Uh, I, I'm going to take that situation very seriously, right? That's to me, that's, that's not going to end very well. The moment I get pulled out of my vehicle and my vehicle starts getting breached. So when we get to the point where, where it's one thing if they're denting my, my doors and my hood and my trunk or something, that that's that's just vehicle damage okay and for me personally i'm not using deadly force to prevent vehicle damage alone but when it becomes apparent the intent is to gain access to the cab of the vehicle that's for me where things change but again we got to put it in context who who is doing this is it the whole crowd are they all participating are they all chucking rocks at your windows are they all pulling out the bats and trying to bash in the windows? Probably not. If you decide that you've got to use deadly force and using the vehicle is not the answer, right? And that's the thing. If you got a crowd that is violent, then, you know, use of a gun or use of a vehicle, it's all deadly force. Which one's more effective? The vehicle wins every time. Okay, and so there's certainly going to be times where I might consider using deadly force to extract myself from this situation that's getting very, very bad for me. And I'm not going to use my gun. I'm going to I'm going to use the thing that's more effective. All right. At least that's that'll be the first thing I think of where the gun might come into play is when I have a very specific threat. And that's what this AK-47 incident, I think, showed, was that, that this this gentleman, at least, I'm not that aware, or I'm not up to speed on what the rest of the crowd was doing necessarily, but you had a man with a gun approaching your your vehicle, approaching you. That's a very specific threat. I'm also thinking of, there's a video I've seen circulated a little bit where a vehicle came down the street, realized they're stuck in a crowd. Uh, somehow I don't remember if the window was already down or if they broke the window, but a gentleman start, you know, a guy reached in and started trying to pull the driver out through the window. And then the driver shoots that guy Mm -hmm. the guy falls back. And what do you see? A bunch of people start scrambling. They're like, Oh man, you know, and interestingly enough, I'm not really sure why. And I don't know the whole story of that incident either, but that driver ends up getting out of the vehicle with their gun. And people are definitely giving him a wide berth and he takes off on foot. Kind of a weird one. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a, it's a situation where he had a very specific threat and he dealt with that specific threat. And then there was no more need, at least apparent from that video, of any uh, more use of force, deadly force. So, but... Yeah, you know, just, I'm just providing some some food for thought, some context, some specific kind of things to to problem think your way through. Um, and but again, it comes back to the, the reason we started talking about this is multiple targets, possible multiple threats, right? And is it a relevant skill? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I don't think we've seen it yet where somebody's had to fire on multiple people in one of these incidents but it's something that is definitely within the realm of possibilities. Mm -hmm. 
right? And I'm, and we're not done seeing we're not done seeing the end of these these on the street riot protests and vehicle driver altercations. Unfortunately, no. I, and that's the thing. There's more and more people are are um, openly armed, right? In, in in the groups, and and more and more people are out buying guns and getting concealed carry licenses and things like that. So there's probably the, the potential for more people to be armed in beyond different sides of whatever ideological or, you know, physical confrontation uh, is greater. And, you know, you, you even see um, instances where, you know, somebody's having a, uh, like a, a Mexican standoff with a guy. I don't know if you saw this, but is a video of a driver. He's pointing a gun at a, one guy and the, the, one of the protesters or the people outside is pointing a gun and they're literally like three feet apart. And so neither one oh, of them are, yeah. moving, right. Neither one of them are moving. And so, um, the, this is, this is the problem of, of self-defense in a mob with a firearm that is designed, um, you know, a handgun is designed for, you know, I don't want to say one target, but it's, it's target specific, right. Unless you're trying to mow people down and that's not our, our intention. Yeah. So a, hand, a handgun is a CQB weapon. It is. It, yeah. It's close quarters, and it's it's a personal defensive weapon, right? It it is very very personal, very intimate. A knife is more so, but but yeah, you're right on that point. Sorry, continue. No, no, no. That 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 was that was my point. Is just I think you know we're talking about multiple targets and things, and and. I, I'm looking at situations like this and this guy is so focused on this one guy is pointing a gun at him and you know that there are other people in that group that are armed. Right. Um, and who's to say that they don't, they don't, they don't uh, pull out a firearm and say, well, I was afraid cause he's pointing a gun at this guy and I'm in the same group and I thought he was going to point it at me and this and that. So um, I think, you know, kind of to circle back to like the initial point is that I think these, these incidents and the fact that there are more of them is really um, maybe giving people uh, a new paradigm on uh, what does it mean to have multiple targets? And, and I think, you know, I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say before most of these uh, events started happening, you could post something in a po in a chat room or something um, and talk about uh, capacity, ammunition capacity of your firearm and say, well, and you'd get a good number of people that would say things like, well, if I have to shoot more than four rounds, then, you know, I must be a bad shot or I'm not engaging, you know, Osama bin Laden and a bunch of terrorists. I'm, I'm shooting and then getting out of there. So if I need five more than, you know, I carry a revolver because that's all the rounds I need and things like that. And I think, um, you know, you always have people say, well, what if there are multiple targets? Well, if there's multiple targets, you know, uh, I, I'm screwed anyways. But now we see that it might not just be multiple targets, but the ability to be surrounded by multiple people that are a deadly force threat against you um, it, it is more substantial, I think, or or more, I don't know, maybe overt or or, or whatnot. Sure. Sure. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would feel very uncomfortable in one of these mob type scenarios, even if I was in my vehicle and all I had is a five shot revolver, mm -hmm. I'd feel very uncomfortable. Uh, question actually from Bobby here. Uh, what if there's children in the car and they break the window 
And uh, I, I would say, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Now, I'm definitely more concerned when I have children with me, for sure. But when, when these people start busting windows, there's a reason they're busting windows. And it's to gain access to the interior compartment of that vehicle. Regardless of who's inside there, that's that's a that's a non-starter for me. That's a no-go. Um, that's where you know a line really starts getting crossed, and especially if there's children. Yeah, there's no no doubt whatsoever. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had another thought, and I think it just went out the window. <laughs> Talking about windows. I thinking. Uh, I mean, I mean, think, think about, think about this, you know, you bring up the point about having a a child in the car. The the reason why that changes, right. So, so drastically is because, um, and and Corey mentioned about the one, uh, incident where, where you were talking about Riley, where the guy shot, he got out of his car and like took off and, and met police. Right. That's him by himself. He can extricate himself. He, it's him. You have, uh, or something else now not just you you're trying to get out of this situation right and so now it, it, imagine if this guy had a, a child in the car how much more difficult it, it is now to ki- grab this kid out of the out of the you know a car seat or out of the car and now you're running through a crowd with your kid and a, and a firearm and people that so what it, it starts to change the the ability for you to do other things right like I can't do the same things if I have other people in the car who aren't mobile, an elderly you know, family member or somebody, a, a young child. So now my options are, are, are being more limited and if my vehicle is out of commission because I can't physically go forward or back or there's barricades or whatever. Now I'm, my options are, are, are much less. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's one of the things that really changes that um, for me, Bobby. Yeah. Yep. You're exactly right in, in that as well. Uh, good thought. So, so the thing I was, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, because we're, we're kind of on this topic somewhat, uh, let's, let's just talk real quick about uh, avoidance, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just throwing this out there because I, I really, truly um, want somebody out there within the sound of my voice to, hopefully this is helpful to you. Uh, I, I don't want to see anybody caught in a situation they that they have no control over, right? Because once you're caught in one of these hordes of people, it, it is out of your control at that point. There's nothing more you can do. It, you are in their hands. Uh, so we want to avoid that in the first place. So here's the thing. You all need to be paying attention to your local news, right? Part of the reason I think these protests are still going on is because of the media attention. As long as we still, as long as we keep giving them attention, they're going to keep happening. All right. Um, I guarantee you, if there's something going on in your local area, it's being talked about on the news. So pay attention to your local news. Know where the different protests and things and and events and whatever are happening and taking place. Okay. I knew on Saturday. I was heading to the range that morning to go uh, to this Dave Spaulding course on the news. They were talking about how there was going to be this protest in Aurora because it's, it was related to this uh, McLean case. He's a young kid. He was like 18 or something. It was, 
he, he died in the custody of police. And so that's probably an issue that's not, you know, nationally known, but, uh, they were talking about it on the news that morning. There's, there's talk. There's going to be a protest in Aurora. Okay. Guess what? I'm avoiding Aurora. I'm avoiding I-225, which goes right through there. That's the hot, that's the freeway that they shut down. That's where the shooting occurred with the person in the Jeep and the protester that shot at him. Okay. So you need to be paying attention to that crap. You And you avoid, you completely go around. For weeks, I avoided anywhere, even remotely close to downtown Denver. I didn't drive through I-25 that goes along the west side of Denver. I didn't go through there for weeks. I went the long way around. Because on a daily basis, there were all these riots and protests going on, okay? People end up in these situations because they're not paying attention in the first place to what's going on, all right? And if you got something, some kind of business that can wait until things settle down, it should wait. So that's all I have and to say about that. It, it, and I'll, I'll even take it a, 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 a step in the other direction as well, is that Let's say um, you do want to go to a protest. Now, maybe you don't like this protest or maybe you want to go to this protest or you want to go to a, a different protest, right? Uh, uh, let's say uh, we do the foot on, the shoe on the other foot test, right? Like, so let's say these protests go away and in six months there's a, you know, after coronavirus and we're done, you know, wearing masks and, and taking guns away and you want to go to a protest. Um, what I would say is that situational awareness is still relevant for you as part of a protestee or whatever you want to call it, right? Like if you are in an area and you uh, see people, you know, and you see violence occurring, that's no longer a safe protest to be involved in because either a police are going to get involved because it's no longer a peaceful protest. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's no mostly peaceful protest. It's either a peaceful protest or it's an unlawful assembly with violence, and you don't want to be part of that. And so um, I, I'm not blaming any victims or anything for being shot or being run over or anything. I'm just saying you have to take your personal safety just like you would avoid the area to begin with. If you're peacefully marching for whatever cause, and that's totally legitimate and right to do, if you start seeing elements of that group starting to become violent, um, that's the time that you get out of that area and you go and peacefully protest somebody somewhere else or do it in another way because inevitably something bad is going to happen. And I just wouldn't want it to be one of you guys or one of me or, you know, one of my family. So it's, it's that same thought process of why am, what's the worst thing that's going to happen here? And if it's someone's going to pull up with a gun and start shooting people or run people over, I don't want to be part of that. Well, that's why I think you're an idiot in the first place. If you're, <laughs> you're going to go participate in any of these, even if you're on the other side, like if you're the, if you're on, if you're going to protest to be on the anti protest side, right. You know, like the, I'm protesting against the protesters, which there's been some of that too. There was this, uh, in fact, there was a shooting that took place in Denver when there was like a, you know, uh, support the police thing going on and there was black lives matter, right. All in the same area, same part of town, you know, well, we support the blue. We're going to have our thing that we've done every year for the last 10 years or whatever. Let's dumb. Sorry, calling it like it is, because there's nothing good coming of this stuff. 
Mm-hmm. There isn't. And the protests aren't helpful. They aren't. Okay? We get it. We get what you're saying. All right? But honestly, like, every night, again and again and again, like, it's the same old thing. It's not It's not accomplishing anything at this point. People are already shutting off their brains to it. Okay? Anyway. So, uh, one last thing. One last thing. And we should just talk real quick. Since we, we have been talking about multiple targets and whatever. Uh, let's totally, you know, turn off the, the topic about mobs and riots and protests. And let's just talk about uh, a lot of other situations. I've watched a lot of surveillance video and police and, uh, video and different things like, like John Korea. I mean, wonderful channel that John has over there at active self-protection. Um, I've watched a lot of his stuff. I watched a lot of other stuff too. And what I can tell you is that in many common crimes where, you know, violent crimes and by violent crime, a robbery, a theft, that kind of thing is typically violent. Okay. Cause they're taking stuff through the means of force. I'm not talking about shoplifting. I'm talking about, you know, a, a robbery, a burglary, that sort of thing. There's usually multiple dudes involved. It's incredibly, I would say it's rare that you see a single guy trying to rob another guy because odds are in their favor. If there's more than more than, than one of them, right? Yeah, we see a few gas station robberies and stuff here and there that it's just an individual perpetrator, but quite often those are multiple people involved too. And sometimes there's one dude out in the vehicle waiting, right? And that's where the other, that's where the multiple people come into play. It may just be one person we see on camera inside. Uh, and that's where, you know, we, we need to be switched on because if you do, for whatever reason, engage in one of these situations, let's say it's the classic convenience store robbery and you choose to engage the the robber and you just see one dude, his buddy may very, or buddies may very well be out in the car in front and they may be, may be coming in to rescue their guy and get you in the process. So, yep. Just, just throwing that out there. More food for thought. I agree. All right. Well, nothing more to talk about. No disagreement. <laughs> we solved all the problems. Everybody <laughs> in agreement. <laughs> agreement. But I think it's a good place to go ahead and wrap up this topic, at least for today. So, guys, don't forget to go check out the shooterreadychallenge.com uh, and participate in this uh, transition drill, the 22422. And, uh, yeah, sponsors were app dot com. And nextleveltraining.com. So, oh, we have a giveaway to do, though. Yes, Almost sir. Almost forgot. So, Matthew will pull up for us uh, the uh, program we use to pull that random winner. What I are we giving away today? We are giving away an SSP iWear gift card. 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Goes a long ways. Yep, yep, yep. And I... I he was here. I might have seen him in the comment section. I'm oh, not so sure. You, you picked the winner already. You know just, who it is. Yeah, yeah I was. I was oh, quick man. on the draw here. Oh well. Well, let me, let me still do a drum roll <laughs> while you get ready to announce that. But you're saying you thought you saw this person in the comments today? I huh? Thought I did, but maybe he's normally in there, but maybe not today. Right. Well, here's the drum. Uh, roll. Here we go. All right. His first name, and I. I didn't pick it on purpose. It's Matt 
and his last oh. name starts with an S. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right. I thought you were picking yourself. <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a fifty bucks is fifty bucks, man. That's a that's a, that goes a long way. Yeah, it does. Yeah, uh, and the SSBI wear. I was that's what I was wearing this last weekend's class. Um, because I like it. And the other thing too is, I think that they're great quality, but they're not very expensive. So I don't cry if I scratch them and stuff. Right. So I, I'm always like scratching and destroying my my eyewear. <laughs> Who does right? Like that's the worst feeling is to get this expensive set of you know glass sunglasses, whatever it is, and then a week into it, yeah. it's like scratch, yep. and you're like, oh. there, there was a dude in the class over the weekend that dropped his his prescription Oakleys onto the concrete, and he's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, that's why I don't have the fancy Oakley's <laughs> of course prescription. That's a whole other thing. And I, I get that for those that need to uh, need those fancy shooting glasses. Cause I, I wear contacts. I don't know if people know, but uh, uh, yeah, my eyes are at least still just single vision for the time being. I don't have the, the whole, I don't have to pull out the reading glasses or anything like that yet. So <laughs> <laughs> It'll anyway, happen. cool. Congrats, Matt S. on winning the $50 gift card to SSP Eyewear. We'll be in touch with you to get that uh, to you. It'll be in the form of, a, of a, essentially a coupon code that you can use to redeem right on SSPEyewear.com's website. So congrats, buddy. Now, what are we doing for the giveaway next week, Matthew? Uh, it is going to be an LASR, a month free of LASR. Boom. There you go. LASR so, X, right? Yeah, Laser X. Yep. Yep. So free month access uh, to Laser X. That's great. So guys, make sure you sign up each week at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Well, with that brings us to the conclusion of another fabulous episode. Matthew, thank for thank you for being a part of it with me. Thank you, sir. And thanks to all of you watching and listening wherever you may be. And uh, until next time. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.